love come to us, O Lord. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Save us as you promised. We will trust your word. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Let your steadfast love come to us, O Lord. Jesus said, but in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will, fall, will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I tried very hard to stay awake. I pinched myself every couple of minutes. I recalled every multiplication table I had memorized. I went up the stairs and I checked on the kids and I went down again. I remember breathing fast, <laughs> trying to stay awake. I was 13 or 14 years old. It was imperative that I keep my body awake for I was babysitting the neighbor's kids. But I couldn't do it anymore and my body succumbed to sleep. It was the last time they had asked me to watch their kids. It wasn't so much that I fell asleep, they said. It was that they could hardly wake me up when they came home. I was so frustrated with my irresponsibility at that time that I can still remember it. I had played games with the kids. I read stories. I had such a fun time with the kids. I wanted to do a good job, but that didn't count. All that was remembered was that I had fallen asleep and could not be roused easily. So they went back to asking my sister to babysit. <laughs> 
It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. Well, you... And I know that this lesson is a parable. And I have learned that it's not about the virtues of light sleepers or the condemnation of sound sleepers. This is a parable about being ready for the king's return and the new kingdom. But how do we move from the details of the literal story to applying it to our lives here and now? And that is a tricky task. What does it mean to be awake and watching and waiting? What exactly is it that we are expecting? How will we know it, it has arrived? There are probably several good interpretations of this parable. Some of the commentators wonder if it's about something that will happen in the lifetime of his disciples. This generation will not pass until all these things have taken place. Is he talking about things that will happen in their future, but our past? Is he talking about things that will happen in our future? And knowing the answer, you would think might help us to know how seriously we want to work at staying awake, keeping watch, being prepared. Traditionally, the church has interpreted this text and others from the New Testament as talking about the second coming of Jesus. Others, especially in the last hundred years, have openly asked whether Jesus might be referring to his own death and resurrection. There are some who have suggested that Jesus was describing an ongoing process. I'm not sure we should rule out any of these views. But instead of looking at the details, I would like to take some broad strokes. Um, how would you put the story in your own words? So here is my attempt. A powerful man goes out on a journey and leaves his estate in the hands of his servant. Each of the servants has a task to do. That's the regular work. Life goes on. Work continues. They are to expect the master's return, but are to work as if he were already there. That way they will do what is required and they will welcome him back rather than not do the work and of course not welcome him back because they are ashamed for having not done the work. The parable doesn't include any real focus on the time more than no one knows. And calculating the return, winning a bet on the time is completely unimportant. Why? Because the idea, the idea is not to get away with being unprepared for as long as possible. The idea is to be ready and to want the master's return. To enjoy his coming. Know that you have been a good worker and so on. Like doing something around the house or the yard when you were a kid. Some extra work or a surprise and wanting your parents to come home and see what you've done. It isn't that your work is so perfect or worthy of great reward. It is that it was your gift of love. Now, I know some parents might see the work and instead of celebrating what was done, complain that it wasn't done right or the right way. 
If you are a parent like that, don't do that. <laughs> but that's a different story. Another broad stroke that I noticed this time is that the waiting and the watching isn't something we do by ourselves alone. Everybody is involved in keeping the place running in the Lord's absence. And everyone is looking forward to the Lord's return to them. The doorkeepers may have a special vantage point close to the door so they can see out, but that's also their regular job. So ushers, keep an eye on at the door for the Lord's return while we're here, okay? Where are you? Where are the ushers? <laughs> You're not by the door. <laughs> Is everything the same as though the master were here? With us in the flesh, of course not. It's not always pleasant to, or even safe. Communication breaks down, relationships need working on, and so forth. But that's not an, an excuse to quit working. We have our orders. The Lord is coming back, so get to work and don't give up on expecting him. Watch and wait while you're here, while you're at it. Keep busy. And what are we to keep busy with? Well, it is certainly not to be busy trying to figure out when the Lord is returning. That's clear in the text. But I have to tell you, there are those around who spend their time in this way. I've shared this before because it, it just strikes me every time that when I started as a pastor, I remember I got... In, in 1987, I received a book. It was just sent in the mail. Somebody, out of the goodness of their heart, sent it. 88 Reasons Why the End of the World Will Be Coming in 1988. I'm disappointed with myself, though, that I didn't keep the book. But I, but I was just so annoyed by it that I just threw it away at the time. Recently, I, I, I came across an old story, one of those tales that has a life of its own and reemerges from time to time. I think it fits here. A woman owned a parakeet or had a parakeet, a beautiful bird and good talker, very special, always singing, whistling, chattering. It was practically a member of the family. One day, the owner was cleaning keep saying owner, the one who had that pet there with them was cleaning the house vacuuming. The bird was singing, swinging on its little swing in the cage and holding forth. The woman had taken off the attachments and was doing the cushions on the couch. And then she just opened the bird cage and vacuumed the bottom of the cage. Just then the tel telephone rang and as she reached to get it with her free hand, she tipped the end of the vacuum cleaner hose upwards toward the cage and suddenly she heard an awful squawk and realized her pet had been sucked into the vacuum cleaner cleaner. Ouch! Throwing down the phone, she opened the vacuum cleaner as quickly as she could, and there lay her parakeet in the bag with all the dirt and lint and bruised and gasping for air. She picked up the bird and rushed it over to the sink, held him by its little legs under the faucet, and washed him off with cold water. A few days later, a friend who had telephoned her and triggered the event to begin with, asked her, how's the bird doing? 
oh, he's doing all right, I guess, except he doesn't sing much anymore, and he rarely talks. He just sits and stares off into space with a kind of glassy-eyed look on his face. Sometimes we might have that look, that we have been beaten and bruised and battered, looking and feeling like we have had the life sucked right out of us. And life continues on. Sometimes what happens is not good. Accidents, crises, major traumas, cancers, as well as wars and shootings. And we always live with the threat of us destroying all of human life because of these atomic bombs. Russia trying to occupy Ukraine, Hamas attack on Israel, Israel's responding with much killing themselves, death upon death upon death, as though life is cheap. For we who love life and want to continue doing God's work in the world, there is a lot threatening us. Martin Luther knew of threats as well in his life. And he said, if the end of the world was coming tomorrow, I would still go out and plant my little apple tree. So as people who are waiting for the Lord's return, if we are not to spend all our time trying to figure out when it is to happen, what are we to do? I knew one guy who asked someone who was so convinced that 2000 was the year that the end of the world was going to happen. And so he asked that person who was so convinced that it was going to happen that said, Could, would you be willing to go to an attorney with me and drop a contract so that on January 1st, 2021, all your possessions will go to me? Just a thought if anybody says that to you. Uh, the person would not agree to it. So even though he was so convinced, he wasn't that convinced. So what does being prepared look like? Spending time in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Caring for the neighbor. Like we heard last week, when did we see you hungry and give you food and thirsty and give you something to drink and a stranger and welcome you and clothe you and visit you? When did we? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, Jesus said. What are we to do? Be awake to the needs around us, to the struggles around us. Be awake to the hurts of the least of these and know that we are not alone to being the people who are striving to be awake in these struggles in the world. Be awake as we think about those in the care center and get things, the cards from the caring tree. Yes, years ago I went to a youth gathering in Grand Forks. It was a wonderful experience. One of the presenters was Daniel Wolpert who wrote the book, Creating a Life with God, The Call of Ancient Prayer Practices. And he talked about this text, not specifically, but indirectly, when he talked about Simon Stellitis who in the 6th century sat on a pole for 37 years in the desert in northern Syria. 37 years. I mean, he took a little time probably to eat, but his, his, his reputation was to sit on this pole for 37 years. He did this not to abandon the work of God, but to get in touch with God. It was his way of understanding, be prepared. I think 
for me, it seems a bit eccentric and even strange, but it does help me to realize that sometimes we can get sucked into more than we bargained for by the forces of life. And taking some time in worship to be alone with God in prayer, maybe some need 37 years for that, but taking some time to be alone is an important way to be prepared as well. May our time today in worship and in prayer and in song nourish our spirits so that we don't feel so dazed by the cosmic struggles in life, by the cosmic vacuum cleaner, but instead be refreshed so that our song is full of hope and expectation this Advent season and always. For the Lord is coming. Amen.